suckers, it's Groundhog Day! I got you, babe. I got you, babe. They say our love won't pay the rent. For it's earned, our money's all been spent. Morning! Love to see the groundhog? I think it'll be an early spring. Didn't we do this yesterday? I don't know what you mean. Don't mess with me, poor job. What day is this? It's February 2nd. Groundhog Day. Babe. I got you, babe. I got you, babe. Excuse me. Where's everybody going? To Gobbler's Knob. It's Groundhog Day. It's still just once a year, isn't it? I got you. You wear my ring. Punxsutawney Phil, the seer of seers, prognosticator of all prognosticators, was awakened from his wintry nap at dawn on Gobbler's Knob. Phil looked to the skies and then, speaking in groundhog ease, directed the president to the proper scroll, which reads, Another winter's slumbered pause so I could meet the crowd. Hard to sleep anyway when the party's this loud. I envy your energy. I envy the fun. I envy all of you and your opposable thumbs. But it's not what I feel, it's what I see and what you hear. So gather round and let me be clear. Atmosphere is a wonderful thing. And we can create our own and the weather it brings. It brings hope for the future and so much more. Maybe some Punxsutawney Phil write-in votes in 2024. But what this weather did not provide is a shadow or reason to hide. Glad tidings on this Groundhog Day. An early spring is on the way. I got you, babe. I got you, babe. I got you, babe. I got you, babe. An early spring is on the way. I almost feel like playing that again. Because, you know, that's the whole joke with Groundhog Day. And thank you to loyal listener Paul, who sent me an email yesterday and said, I can already guess what your intro song is going to be tomorrow morning, as in today. Because every year on February the 2nd, we play the same song just like in the movie Groundhog Day. Time to wake up, woodchuck chuckers. It's Groundhog Day. And then Sonny and Cher come on the radio. And Bill Murray relives it again and again and again and again. It's actually quite the movie, Groundhog Day. Nonetheless, welcome to this program for Friday, February the 2nd. Emphasis on the rue. It's not a uary. It's a February Second, Groundhog Day, I feel as though I'm tempting the fates every time I talk about the weather lately. I miss the sun as much as you do. I am looking forward to a weekend chock full of sunshine and mild temperatures to boot. 
but come on, right? Like, come on with your coming on. We are going to pay a dear price at some point. At least that's what I fear. Those are my worst fears coming out this morning. Let's hope they are not realized. I would be more than happy to cruise through (laughs) what is left of quote-unquote winter, kind of the way it's been going so far. No problem at all for me. All right, time for your Farwell Show 5 for this Friday morning, February the 2nd. Five things that you just might want to know as you get your day going. Number one, the city of Kitchener has announced that it will be welcoming a Carabana Festival this summer. That is Kitchener Mayor Barry Verbanovic. I know it's not the best audio, is it? But that was him out at center court at the KW Titans game last night. My beloved and I just happened to be at the game watching the Titans win, I might add. Way to go, you Titans, beating the Windsor Express. But I kind of figured something was going on, so I started recording some video and caught the... Announcement as it was being made. Carabana Ignite is going to feature a street theater presentation and a street party that showcases the true essence of carnival and the diversity and vibrancy of the Caribbean. It's coming August 23rd and 24th to the city of Kitchener. Number two on your Farwell Show 5 this morning. Waterloo Regional Police have released photos of two suspects wanted in connection to a murder in Kitchener last Thursday. You can see those pictures on our website kitchener.citynews.ca number three alberta premier danielle smith says her province will prohibit hormonal treatment puberty blockers and gender affirming surgery for children 15 years and younger under the new legislation teens aged 16 and 17 can start hormone therapy as long as they have permission from their parents a physician and a psychologist Our federal health minister, Mark Holland, is not taking the news well. I'm deeply disturbed. The decision that was made by Alberta places kids at risk. We know that one of the number one reasons why kids take their life is problems around sexual identity. And the ability to be who you are is so vitally important. Number four on your Farwell Show 5 for this morning, the Waterloo Region District School Board has announced a new cell phone policy effective today. Staff will be asking that students put away cell phones during instructional time as well as in hallways during classes. And number five on your Farwell Show 5 list this morning, as you already heard, Punxsutawney Phil did not see his shadow forecasting an early spring. Same for Shubanekity Sam down east. Wyerton Willie just a few hours north of us here in Ontario. And our buddy, Kitchener Cooney, who texted me this morning saying, no shadow seen, and now the sun is starting to appear early spring. It is unanimous Spring is springing sooner rather than later. It is 9-12. This is the Mike Farwell Show. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, I think we have to have a little chat about the budget in the city of Waterloo.
I'll lead the way next on the Mike Farwell Show. This is City News 570. I have beef already. Way to go, Kyle, who requested this classic from Celine Dion. Did you notice how I, in radio parlance, hit the post there? I stopped talking just in time for the artist to begin singing. I just got a chef's kiss from Devin Robertson, the guy on the other side of the glass. That's because I was forced to play this song when I was working my very first full-time radio job in Salmon Arm, British Columbia. And honestly, I got nothing against Celine Dion. It's a lovely song. She has a lovely voice. This song, I kid you not, creeps me out. The the, the melody, the, 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 the flute in there. Just, no, 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 no. Like, if you want to terrify me, put me in a room, play this song again and again and again. It is an All Request Friday here on the Mike Farwell Show. And even if the song creeps me the hell out, We will play it for you because you requested it. That's how we roll around here on Fridays. And I'd like to thank Kyle for putting me in the perfect frame of mind, a little agitated now, a little amped up, as I bring to your attention something that's been... It's been bothering me for much of the week. Our newsroom uh, reported on Tuesday morning of this week the deliberations and discussions at Waterloo Council on Monday night around the budget. And I've been giving this considerable thought. And finally, as I was taking Rosie the pandemic pup for a walk yesterday, I kind of consolidated those thoughts and figured, you know what? It's time to air my feelings about this, to make you aware of what's going on. Because I think that you may be interested in responding to this in some way. What the city of Waterloo is looking at, what its proposed budget is calling for, is a 7.46% increase in taxes this year, followed by a 7.3% increase in taxes in 2025, and then another 6.44% in 2026. You add that all up, You're talking about an increase of greater than 21% over the next three years. If you were to look at this like we look at negotiations that we hear about in the public sector and you talk about a, you know, the three-year contract contains increases of 12% or 15%, whatever it is, those are the the increases of, of salary, right? When's the last time you heard one? Over three years, it'll be an increase of 21.38%. And if you did hear that, didn't you say, wow, I wish I were those people getting the 21.38%? Because I can guarantee there are very few people in this community who over the next three years will see a 21.38% increase in their income. Yet, that is the increase the city of Waterloo is going to request of you, demand of you, by way of property taxes, it will add another $336 
to your property tax bill in Waterloo forever. Forever and ever, amen. Because once the taxes are on there, they don't go away. Now, to put this in some kind of perspective, this increase will amount, because it's not quite finalized yet, and I want to emphasize that, but what's being proposed right now would be a tax increase in the city of Waterloo that is more than double any increase approved by any council in that city since 2006. So for 18 years, no council in Waterloo has increased taxes by even half as much as what the city of Waterloo is proposing to do over the next three years. I'm here to tell you that if you're trying to price people right out of your city, this is the way to do it. I don't know how many seniors on fixed incomes are going to find another 21.38% over the next three years. Here's where the heavy lifting comes in. Half of this proposed tax increase, the city of Waterloo tells us, is to maintain what City Hall does today. Fair enough. The other half is the new spending. That will be money invested in things like more firefighters, improved sidewalk snow clearing, fighting climate change, etc. I get it. We understand there are incredible priorities placed upon the municipality, and they've got to figure out how to fund all of those priorities. But we have to be aware, and this is where I'm really struggling, we have to be aware of the state of the economy today and how difficult some people are finding just day-to-day life. You can't hide from that reality. So if we're looking at 21.38% over the next three years and half of that increase, so let's call it 11%, is required to maintain what City Hall does today, for me, that's the starting point of the budget. It ain't 21.38, it's 11 Here's what we need to continue doing what we do today. And then within that 11%, is there any place within what we're doing today where we can find some efficiencies? Before you add the other half on top of that, the half that's new spending, you sure as hell better be sure that the new spending is absolutely essential right now. And if I may be so bold as to suggest, again, I know this winter's a little bit anomalous here, But improvements in sidewalk snow clearing? For what? For all the snow we haven't had this year? And as much as this winter is an anomaly, we know that we are getting less and less snow. So maybe, just maybe, in part of that new spending, these improvements to sidewalk snow clearing could absolutely be eliminated from a 21.38% increase over the next three years. More than twice any increase approved by any council in Waterloo since 2006. I try hard, I really do, to not get too exaggerated, to not engage in hyperbole on the show. I really do. But this one I've been sitting on and stewing over for about three days now. And I'm here to tell you this morning that what Waterloo Council is deliberating right now is absurd. It is absolutely absurd to be talking about increases of this level at a time like 
this. Now, the final budget will be voted on February the 12th. You might have to storm the castles in Waterloo, folks, but I'm telling you today, on February the 2nd, so you've got 10 days to rally the troops, show up at Waterloo City Hall, and tell them how you feel about this. There's been some public feedback. I know councillors have heard that. They're taking it into consideration. Give them more to take into consideration, Waterloo. It's almost as though council is challenging you on this to see if you're paying attention. I hope you are paying attention because, again, this number is absurd. So to every councillor in Waterloo right now, please get your head out of the clouds and put your feet back on the ground. You cannot, in good conscience, in these economic times, approve an increase like this. And if it takes a packed council chamber on February the 12th in Waterloo, so be it. You can't increase 21.38% at times like this. Waterloo residents, you need to be aware of this, and you need to challenge every one of your councillors on what could be a terrible decision and a tax increase too great for many people to absorb in the city of Waterloo. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570. Thanks to Marino for the email to Mike at 570news.com. I mean, I think thanks because Marino quite correctly points out that increase to property taxes in the city of Waterloo over the next three years is actually close to 23% because each year is compounded on the previous year. Kind of like I said about the overall increase being $336. And then it's there forever and ever. Every increase after is on top of the increases the next few years. Compounding is awesome when it's in your investment account. Not so much when it's on your property tax bill. And then Marino goes further to point out that seniors just got a 4% increase on CPP and an increase of less than 1% on OAS. Make that make sense with what they're trying to do in Waterloo. You still have time to let your voice be heard. This needs to be reconsidered in a very big way. Those numbers have to come down a lot, in my opinion. An update now from the City News Centre, and then let's talk about the bad behaviour we see in the House of Commons. Is the system set up to be antagonistic? This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 57. straight for my stash, you know, because I wanted some of my private blend, which is two parts grass to one part hash. Well, when I got little bit of Jesse Winchester. Don't call him James, even though that's his given name. Twigs and seeds by request from Mark on this all-request Friday morning here on the Mike Farwell Show. We can claim at least half of James, a.k.a. Jesse Winchester, as Canadian. He was born in God Bless Marica, but in opposition to the Vietnam War, he moved to Canada in 1967 and became a Canadian citizen by 1973. He went back to the United States, though, and settled in Memphis about 
30 years later. But nonetheless, little Jesse Winchester by request on the All Request Friday here on the program. We probably, as much as you've been requesting songs on All Request Fridays, uh, talk about the bad behavior we see in our House of Commons. And we continue to ask that that behavior get better. And we ask and we ask and we scream into the wind, it seems. And maybe, just maybe, the system is designed such that it's not going to get better anytime soon. John Malloy is the director of the Center for Public Ethics at Martin Luther University College in Waterloo. Joins us for a chat. John, good morning. Good morning, Mike. Happy Groundhog Day. A happy Groundhog Day to you as well. It's really great to get your time on the show, especially about something that... I feel as though we may have even touched on in the past, John. I mean, we've been asking for better behavior for quite some time, have we not? We have, but, you know, my point is, if you, why does no one ever ask, why, why does it work this way? Why, why do we have this bad behavior? I mean, everyone says everyone should, should, should act better and, and doesn't sort of say, is there, is there something about the system that's uh, causing, uh, uh, you know, this, this, these crazy sessions that we all witness on the news or if you're watching it live on on cpac is it then though like if we want better behavior instead of perhaps blaming the system shouldn't we blame the people within it i mean they they do have the opportunity don't they to to rise above so to speak well, I guess so, but you know, it, it it becomes this strange situation where we demand more of our politicians than we do of anyone else. Uh, you know, the thing that always gets me is when people are critical of politicians because they want to win elections, uh, they want to form government, or if they're in government, they want to get reelected. I mean, how many of us? don't want to do our job well, don't want to stay in our job, uh, wouldn't welcome a, a promotion. I mean, why, why should politics be any different? Uh, people are in Parliament, they always say for the right reasons. Well, that reason is to win, to bring forward their ideas, to implement policies, to bring about change. And they see the best way doing that is to do that is to go after the other side. If they're in opposition, they want to bring down the government. If you're in government, you want to uh, show that the opposition's not up to the job. I'm not. I'm not sure how you change that dynamic, uh, particularly in a in a party system that we have. But that's the reality of it. And all of a sudden, question period starts to make a little bit more sense with the bad behavior in question period, because one of the things that I think people would be shocked about is that there's a time limit on both questions and answers, and it's 35 seconds. So the idea that question period should be this great exchange of views, this, you know, reason debate, how do you do that with 35 seconds? It's, it's not going to happen. So I think the idea that, that, that people are going to go looking for information or provide information has never been uh, a reality, certainly in the current form of question period. And when we look at 35 seconds as an example, I think that, and I would uh, own some of the responsibility for this on the media end, because if we can get a nice short soundbite that's got some punch to it, we are likely to air that to an audience that has a decreasing attention span. Well, exactly. I mean, what's, what's a big issue these days? Uh, the influence or the impact that our deficits and debt has 
on interest rates. Pierre Polyev says that it's there's a direct connection, that it's driving up interest rates, it's driving up mortgages, it's influencing rents, um, you know, it's, it's impacting the cost of living. Could you imagine a headline that said, uh, a thoughtful debate in the House of Commons over effective deficit on interest rates? I mean, I've fallen asleep before. <laughs> <laughs> No, they want to hear Pierre Polyev needle Trudeau about his Christmas vacation. And it's fine. You know, maybe that's fair game. But if you're having a hard time paying your mortgage or paying your rent, maybe you would like to know what are what are policymakers, how are policymakers tackling this issue of, you know, higher interest rates and, and government spending and how it all fits together. But it's complicated. It's not that sexy. And as you said, people people are busy and they're being inundated with information. And so they want to see the, 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 the little zinger on the news of Polyev going after uh, Trudeau over his vacation or Trudeau calling all the conservative candidates a bunch of ideologues. I mean, that's the stuff that, uh, that, that the media run. And, you know, why do the media run it? Because we want to see it, because that's what we demand. I'm curious, John, because you've got a great deal of experience in this regard. You were a staffer in Ottawa. You were elected provincially. You spent time on the floor in question period. It's my sense that based on what you're just talking about and the way question period operates, the real work actually gets done away from the floor of the legislature or away from the floor of the House of Commons. Oh, it certainly does. I mean, you know, the the committee system is is adversarial, but it's also much more measured. You have a lot more time to discuss issues. You can bring forward uh, uh, various witnesses and ask them questions. Um, committees tend to not be covered as much by the media, so people aren't grandstanding as much. And that's not a part of, listen, the grandstanding happens on, on both sides. Um, in terms of getting information, one of the most interesting uh, aspects of, of Parliament is something called written questions, where you can actually ask, a, a member of Parliament can ask the government for detailed information, and the government actually is bound to answer within a certain period of time. And some of the, the major, you know, maybe I'm feeding what I said earlier, but some of the big scandals and some of the big brouhaha's that we've seen in the last few years started with that because the government was forced to provide some very detailed information on on issues, the type of information that actually I think most folk would think is what question period's all about. But you're not going to stand up in question period and say, you know, how much money did you spend on this advertising campaign or how much money did you spend, uh, uh, you know, on some procurement uh, project that seems to have got out of control. But written questions will actually bring that up, and then that becomes the fodder for, for media stories and, uh, and question period. But but, but certainly the committees are where a lot of the work gets done. And, you know, at the end of the day, there's such a performative nature to question period. But in some ways, thank goodness it exists because it does shine the, the, the spotlight on a, on a government that uh, may, have, may have gotten itself into, uh, into a bit of trouble. And, you know, it, it does sort of test drive the opposition. And listen, there's no question that parliamentarians can do better. There's no question that parliamentarians can hold themselves in check a little bit more. All I'm saying is that the idea that somehow everyone's going to wake up uh, tomorrow morning or this morning, question, well, I guess question period is going to start in about an hour in, in Ottawa, and, and somehow have this, this civil exchange uh, and discuss, inform, you know, provide information, discuss it, debate it. That's never going to happen 
under the current system, both the larger adversarial system and the way question period is run, this 35-second business. So what would it take to change the way question period is run? Well, part of it, listen, as I said, part of it, you know, a a bit of a, a change in attitude, but, you know, is there... I don't know. It's it's so ingrained in the system. Uh, would anyone agree to it? But, you know, the committee system where uh, a minister uh, is often invited to come and uh, ask questions over, over the course, sometimes of several hours, actually, where the opposition have a chance to really dig down in issues where the minister is supported by senior public servants who can provide them with some of the details and the facts and figures and things. I mean, that that actually might be of, of more use, but boy, it would be a boring show. It's it's not going to be on the 6 o'clock news. So, you know, that, that, that becomes part of it. The other thing is, you know, the, the one group that we've left out of all this is us, the voters. Uh, if we're so concerned about behavior and question period, then why do we constantly elect the poor, the you know, or give promotions, I guess, to some of the uh, uh, bad performers? I mean, back in the Mulroney era, to go back a hundred years, uh, there was a group called the Rat Pack uh, from the federal liberals, and they were horrible, and they, you know, went after the conservative government, and their behavior was awful, and and the liberals ended up winning the election. I mean, right now Pierre Polyev is way ahead in the polls. And he's seen as, uh, as as very divisive in the House of Commons and certainly never pulls his, his punches. So why is he ahead in the polls if we all hate uh, poor performers, in the, or not poor performers, bad performers in the House of Commons? So, you know, you could think of different formats. I think that's a real possibility. But I also think if voters are that concerned about this, well, then tell their members of parliament to, to behave themselves and to find a better way to exchange information. I'm just not sure it's going to happen because it's more fun to listen to Pierre Polyev attack Justin Trudeau over his Christmas vacation than discuss the impact of uh, deficits on, on interest rates or the problems that Canada's facing with productivity. None of that stuff is 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 particular. It doesn't grab the the people's attention these days. So I think in some ways it's a symptom of a bigger problem. John, always appreciate your time on the show. Thanks for another good conversation. Thank you, Mike. John Malloy is the director of the Center for Public Ethics at Martin Luther University College. The system is set up such that we are antagonistic towards one another. I would still like to think in my heart of hearts that you can rise above even a flawed system, but it certainly doesn't seem that way. And speaking of quiet little federal things, did you know? Our Prime Minister was in Kitchener this morning, spending some time at the SDG Idea Factory to meet entrepreneurs in downtown Kitchener. Well, I'll be ding-danged. Justin Trudeau himself in our fine city this morning. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570. People are busy and they're being inundated with information, and so they want to see the little zinger on the news of Polyev going after Trudeau over his vacation or Trudeau calling all the conservative candidates a bunch of ideologues. I mean, that's the stuff that the media run. And, you know, why do the media run it? Because we want to see it, because that's what we demand. It's not unfair. And I'd like to think if I were in that House of Commons, I could rise above. But the system being what it is, I'm sure the temptation to zing is definitely there. That's John Malloy. 
director of the Center for Public Ethics at Martin Luther University College in Waterloo. Let's go to the phones here from you on this. Andrew, good morning. So, two quick points. Yes. On your earlier subject, if you want your local government to listen to you, write them an email. I mean, not just you, but everybody. You probably heard what happened in Calgary. They decided to put a 15-cent charge on paper bags from a restaurant, which already... The restaurant already pays for. Guess what? Everybody in Calgary wrote them emails. How disappointed they lost coming back. They're taking it off. Second of all, we have to change the rules in Parliament. Why is it allowed that one party asks a question of the other party and the answer is exactly has nothing to do with the question that was just asked? No, I'm being serious. I watch question period and it, it is all parties. It is absolutely pathetic that we. I ask you, hey, how's your day today? And you tell me how your day was yesterday. Yeah, the uh, the old saw in politics, Andrew, is to not answer the question you were it asked, but answer the question have, that you wish you were asked. They have to change the rules. <laughs> I don't know where it came from, but it's not good. Okay. Uh, you know, listen, I appreciate that. And I appreciate your acknowledgement that it's across party lines. And yeah, I, listen, we've arrived at a place where... If you put enough words in the salad, it just passes off and away you go to the next thing. I don't know that that's the biggest problem in all of this, but it certainly is one of the problems in all of this. And just to Andrew's point on how Calgarians managed to show up in strong enough force via their email campaign to their councillors to have that tax removed on bags from restaurants, maybe just maybe ahead of February the 12th, if you're in Waterloo, you can convince your board councillor that a proposed tax increase over the next three years of 23% is just a wee bit, just a wee bit on the absurd side. I would strongly encourage you to let your councillor in Waterloo know how you feel about that. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570. Well, we know we're getting an early spring, right? Although, in order to get an early spring, doesn't winter actually have to start first, too? We won't worry about that part. All of the groundhogs, including our very own Kitchener Cooney, are predicting an early spring. So we know that. Here's what else you should know. Coming up on our show today, in just over 30 minutes' time, uh, our good friend Gary Chalk, who writes a humor column called Living Retired, will do the Living Retired radio edition this morning. We always have a lot of fun with that between 10.30 and 11. Before we get to 10.30, we're going to speak to uh, an automobile owner in Guelph who's facing some expensive car repairs after she believes she got bad gas from a gas station in Guelph. Who'd have thunk it? And following this update from the City News Center, Rhythm and Blues Cambridge is celebrating Black History Month. Our good friend Marjorie Knight will join us right after this update from the City News Center. You're listening to The Mike Farwell Show on City News. Unfolds, challenge what the future holds. Try and keep your 
up to the sky Lovers, they may cause you tears Go ahead, release your fears Stand up and be counted Don't be ashamed to cry You gotta be, you gotta be bad You gotta be bold, you gotta be wiser You gotta be hard, you gotta be tough You gotta be stronger You gotta be cool, you gotta be calm You gotta stay together I just want to let it keep playing. Oh, my goodness gracious. But our next guest is as excellent as Desiree with You Gotta Be, Marjorie Knight from Rhythm and Blues, Cambridge. Marjorie sent me an email yesterday and said, you want the song that puts me in a good mood instantly? It's that one right there. So we thought we'd play it for her so she's in a good mood when she joins us on the show. Hello, friend. Long time no see, by the way. Uh, did you did you enjoy the Titans game last night? You know that was my first time going. Really? And um, yeah, I think I think I might have to visit again. I hope you do. You might be the good luck charm because I realized last night it's the first time I've gone and seen the team win. So there you go. <laughs> well, you know, actually, we had decided at Rhythm and Blues that we wanted to support them, so. We actually have purchased some tickets, and we're going to be giving them away during our um, our events um, at at uh, Rhythm and Blues. This, this this little season here, we have a Black History Month, so yeah, we'll be back and we'll be sending some people there too. Good, I'm so glad to hear it. So let's talk about those events during Black History Month with Rhythm and Blues, Marjorie, and how you will be celebrating this month. What can we expect? Man, on Saturday we begin, and I got to tell you, we're sold out for Saturday already. It is our Heart Art from the Heart program. It's art and movement therapy that we bring families in to really enjoy themselves and express themselves in various ways. We're partnering with the YWCA at the W, and we're doing it at their event space, and it's we're really looking forward to that. And as I said, it's sold out, so it's going to be a good crowd. But don't worry. If you miss it, we do that program several times in the year, and we'll be doing it again. And we're bringing back our hair show. We have our Hair Joy Protecting Your Hair Under the Dryer Edition. And we're going to be having that at Kinbridge at 200 Christopher Drive on the following Sunday, the 11th of February. And once again, you know, we're helping people learn how to care for their hair, the different things that they can do, um, the care. We'll be providing products. We'll have experts on hand to teach you and show you. And we have our own mannequins that have black hair on it. And you get to practice and design and figure out how you want to do your hair. So we're looking forward to that one. It's always a lot of fun when we have a lot of moms and daughters and sons figuring out their hair. Then we are going to be having a special occasion. Last year we had our uh, International Black Love Day, which is actually the 13th of February. Um, We decided that we were going to really expand on it because it was wonderful last year. We had an open mic. We had an art project, community art project. And we decided, you know what, we're bringing it back, but we're doing full circle this year because we're having it at the Guelph. Uh, Guelph, I'm losing my mind now. <laughs> the Galt 
little theater players, that theater that has been community theater for so long uh, in Cambridge, downtown Galton, Water Street. Well, that building is actually the first black church ever in Cambridge. It was in the 1700s. That's how long we've had that building there. And so we're doing our celebration of black love back in the space that was built with love for black people way back in 1700. So we will be having open mic again. We're having Dwayne Morgan as our MC. And we have a special guest from Jamaica who is the Grammy-nominated Yasa Safari, who is a dub poet and musician loved by many of us across the diaspora. And he's going to be performing for us also then. So, man, you want to be there on the 17th of February because it's going to be like nothing you've been before. Then, our celebration at the Idea Exchange Queen Square. This is a staple for us. This is a place that we do it every year. We partner with them because they're fabulous. They're wonderful, and they love us, and we love them. It's a perfect space. It's in the middle of everywhere. You can come. You can go. So many things going on. We're going to have our drumming circles again, and everybody has a chance to do that. We will have a history corner where you can go and look at some of the displays that we have that talk about black presence in our area and in our city. We're having a really great panel discussion with three black psychotherapists, and we're talking about black joy and why we have such a hard time experiencing it and how can we experience it and what do we need to do for ourselves, not just self-care, but a way of life so that it's not only about just doing the work, but enjoying life too. Conversations that we need to have. And of course, all of our events are free. We invite you and your families sign up on Eventbrite so we know you're coming. We want you to come. There's no cost. Prizes, giveaways, food. Irie Myrie will be at the celebration. Jamaican Patties will be at the hair show. Man, it's good food. And you should come, even if it's just now you you know how to get to me marjorie even if because you know if it's on hair day we both know i don't need anything to do with that but some jamaican patties yes please and thank you oh, oh some really good things and you know we we've discovered local artists of different kinds all along the way so for our art from the heart we have alana deckert who is a local artist who does our art piece and she's she's fabulous i'm sure you've seen her before we discovered a gentleman last year, and Marcus, I believe his name is, and he does caricatures. So when you come to the celebration at Queen Square, stop and get your caricature done. Again, it's free, and it's a wonderful memento. We have a, a children's author who will be in the children's section at the library. She does a series of books called Messy Marvin, and she will be there. And, of course, we give away books at everything. So bring your kids, get them a book, get them some food, let them participate, have some fun. It's a family affair. As a community, we celebrate. And it's important that we do.
It certainly is. And the work that you're doing is so important as well. Marjorie, thank you very much for making time for the show today. And I look forward to seeing you as you celebrate Black History Month with Rhythm and Blues this month. I'm looking for you. I'll be there. All right. Okay. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. Marjorie Knight from the Titans game last night to our show this morning. Rhythm and Blues Cambridge has a full month of programming beginning this Saturday and then continuing weekends right through the month to celebrate Black History Month. You can learn more just by visiting rhythmbluescambridge.com. Click the events tab and you'll see everything right there. You won't be disappointed either. RhythmBluesCambridge.com. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. It is the mysterious case of the bad gas in Guelph. And I don't mean that in the way you might think I mean that when I talk about bad gas. I mean... Literally, the stuff that came out of the pumps at a service station in Guelph may have been bad. And the result is hundreds, if not thousands of dollars in repairs for the people who unwittingly put the bad gas into their vehicles. Lacey Fraser is one of those uh, unfortunate drivers from Guelph who joins us for a chat this morning. Lacey, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's it's a pleasure. Thanks very much for making time for the show. And it's always best coming straight from the person to whom it happened. So I'll let you tell the story. What did happen yeah. after you filled up your vehicle? Exactly. Yep. And unfortunately, we had been completely at empty. So we filled up our SUV with $90 of this fantastic gas. <laughs> um, and within the next 14 minutes, our car turned to sputtering, shaking, and actually died in our driveway. And thankfully, we were able to make it home because a lot of my other fellow victims, I'll call them, did not make it home. And uh, yeah, so we filed a complaint with the company. We had to rent a car and we actually didn't get our vehicle back until yesterday. How did you determine that it was the gas that was the issue here? Yeah. So interestingly enough, I had seen a post on Facebook um, about a couple of days prior to this happening to us that it had happened to somebody else at a different station. And the symptoms were so similar that I just got to wondering if it could be that. And we had to take it into a mechanic anyway, obviously, because it was dead just to get it checked out. And um, then I had posted on a Facebook group just asking if it had happened to anybody else. And very shortly within the next couple hours, I was flooded with messages and ended up starting a group chat for all of the people affected. And standing today, we have 33 members in that chat, so 33 different families that this happened to. And the diagnostics started rolling in by Sunday afternoon that all of our tanks were filled with about 90% water. What is this or what has this cost you so far financially? Yep. So our family has now paid $1,600 and that is, unfortunately, I wish it was a one-off, but there's several other people in our group that have also spent over 1500 just to get their car back on the road. 
and um, I have not seen anyone in our group chat spend less than 350 That was for a more minor case, but on average, everyone has spent around $1,000 trying to get their car back on the road. Have you heard anything back from the company, the gas station, where you got this apparently bad gas? Yeah, so we spent a couple of days trying to get in touch with them. The actual gas station had shut down pretty much immediately as of Saturday afternoon um, as they were getting, of course, flooded with messages and people going into the shop. So they actually ended up closing um, and we did not hear from them until Tuesday. And we had left countless messages and emailed the company. When they called, it was from a private phone number. They would not give a name or a callback number. They just let us know that they had our information and they're going through their insurance company to try and get um, coverage and reimbursement for everyone to be able to reach back out to us. But we literally have no way of knowing any updates or getting in touch with them. So it really is not fun. (laughs) I I can only imagine. I mean, none of this sounds fun at all. Is there a next step that you might be taking here if you don't get any satisfaction from the company or it takes too long to hear back or anything like that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, So they called on Tuesday. He actually had lied to me on the phone and said they had been trying to call me for two days, which was not true. I had my phone on me 24-7. And so, yeah, we had not heard back till Tuesday. They said three to five business days they'd they would be in touch. It's now Friday morning. We still haven't heard anything. So if we don't hear back by Monday afternoon, I am going to be um, seeking legal counsel and potentially filing a class action with the rest of my group members. I can't even imagine. I mean, so many of us just take for granted when we need fuel. (laughs) We stop at the gas station. We take that pump off. We put the nozzle in our gas tank and we fill up. How do you feel now when you go to fill up your vehicle or the next time you have to? I mean, this has got to be in the back of your mind. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. And yeah, honestly, you kind of nailed it on the head. In the back of my mind as I'm getting gas now or even driving by that gas station since we live fairly close, I'm just going, uh, hope this doesn't happen again. I, I don't know that it will ever not be in the back of my mind just because this was such a unpleasant experience. Um, you know, thankfully, we do have a lot of options in Guelph for alternative gas stations. It's not like, you know, there isn't one for miles and miles. But um, yeah, absolutely. This is always going to be in the back of my mind. I hope it never happens again. And in terms of the damage to your vehicle, Lacey, I should have asked earlier in that $1,600 that you've had to spend, the vehicle is okay? This was a problem that was able to be corrected without permanent yes. damage? Well, so far, as from what we know from our mechanic at the Kia dealership, um, there should be no permanent damage. They did say that um, they don't have enough long-term information on vehicles in terms of um, getting bad gas into the system. We did have to do a complete um, fuel, uh, I don't know the right words, but fuel uh, parts repair inside the car. And we had to swap out all of our oil, get that completely flushed out. Um, so, you know, hopefully there won't be any long-term, but at this point we don't know and neither did our mechanic. Lacey, I hope everything, uh, works out in the end here. Really appreciate you making time on the show today to share the story. Thanks very much for being here. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Lacey Fraser unwittingly put bad gas into her SUV $1,600 later 
still trying to work, and dozens of others still trying to work with this gas station in Guelph that allegedly sold the bad gas to get some compensation here, to get reimbursed for the repairs and goodness knows what else long term. Who to thunk? You put the nozzle into the gas tank on your car, you fill up, you drive away. How many times have we done that in the course of our driving lives? And this is the outcome after some, what appears to be anyway, faulty gas from a station in Guelph. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. You will not want to miss our Friday 4 roundtable today. Between 11 and noon, as we do every Friday morning. A gathering of some of the best and brightest minds in the community to talk about the big stories of the week. And one I really want to get to the bottom of. Like, I really need to get to the bottom of why it is that Taylor Swift is making so many people so angry. Make it make sense. Our Friday 4 panel will try to do that. We will also take a closer look during that roundtable from 11 until noon today at our healthcare system. There was a highly publicized problem, mother, daughter, 19 hours in various emergency departments, St. Mary's, Grand River, as her daughter suffered from appendicitis, finally had the surgery on the road to recovery, but the cracks that were exposed in the system have certainly become a talking point. We'll get into that between 11 and 12 with our Friday 4 roundtable as well. Right now, your 10.30 update from the City News Centre. And then Gary Chalk joins us for Living Retired. His humor column comes to the radio. On the Mike Farwell Show, this is City News 570. Girl, you just don't realize what you do to me. Uga Chaka or Gary Chaka? I can't tell what Blue Swede is really singing, but Gary Chalk joins us every Friday morning at this time to bring his living retired humor column to the radio. Good morning, friend. Hey, good morning, Mike. <laughs> Quick question. You got a lot of push-ups in during the news break there? You know what? I've been taking it slower today. Oh, okay. So, okay. But don't worry. I'm working really hard. The donations are coming in for the push-up challenge in support of the Canadian Mental Health Association. I banked 100 of those suckers yesterday. Oh, oh my goodness. I, I was part of a push-up challenge many years ago. It lasted a day because I think it was on my fifth push-up, I, I collapsed and hit my chin in the floor. And that just took me out of commission. That was it for me for push-ups. We've got some other folks here at the radio station involved as well, Gary. And they have much nicer faces than I. So I keep warning them, like, don't mess with the moneymaker. Don't mess with the moneymaker. I feel as though, as we turn our attention to your humor column, I feel as though I might be talking to a ghost this morning, Gary, because you have undertaken the kitchen reno and lived to tell the tale. Well, you know, it, uh, it, I guess you'd have to say that, that you'd have to ask Jan, my wife, because um, it's, have you ever done a kitchen renovation? In fact, yes, just a few years ago. 
Oh my gosh! And you you survived? Also, also survived. Yes. Oh boy, you're you're one of the few. You know what I discovered? We we did one a couple of years ago, and and beforehand I was doing some research about you know because I, I I change a light bulb with a hammer. You know that's how <laughs> good I am with anything involving a tool. So so I looked and I discovered that. They had a survey that showed that 82% of married couples indicated that when they completed the renovation of their kitchen, it increased the value of their home. And I thought, well, that, that's, that's, that's a good reason to, to renovate your kitchen. That was 82% of those people who agreed that. The other 18% were husbands who had big screen televisions, and they would sit there watching football and eating beef jerky. And, and their comment was, we have a kitchen? <laughs> this beef jerky just comes out of the pantry. Who needs a kitchen? <laughs> exactly. A stove? A fridge? Why? Well, the fridge has to keep the beer cold. But come that, on. That's true. Yeah. You could, but you could have a Coleman cooler right there beside the sofa if you true. wanted to. True. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it is a challenge, and it's expensive. If Well, I'm sure you, you lived through that. Um, it's it's sort of one of those things. A kitchen makeover to me is sort of the home version of an easy peasy government project that goes horribly wrong. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did you just say easy peasy and government project in the same sentence? Come I on. did. I, I did. And 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 we we're living proof that 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 happened. And I think the reason Jan and I made a mistake, we didn't follow the government procedures, the policy they have. I mean, we didn't know what we were doing. If we knew what we were doing, we would have done it ourselves. So what we should have done was what the governments do and hired a consultant. Absolutely. You've got to put as many layers of bureaucracy between you and the finished product as possible. Right. And the, 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 the reason of a consultant is, first of all, they show you what you should be doing because you don't know. And B, when it goes wrong, then you can blame the consultant. <laughs> right? You know, now that I think of it, Gary, our consultant, who was fantastic, but moved all the way down east before our project was even completed. Maybe she was just trying to avoid that inevitability. It's your fault, Zenya. It's your fault. No, she was great. But <laughs> uh, and, and the other thing, the consultant's report, basically when you read that document, and, and basically I just read the executive summary. I didn't get into all the details under appliances and flooring options and things. I just read the executive summary, and, and I did what, uh, what the politicians do. I put it up on a shelf somewhere, and then we just started the project. <laughs> right. So the recommendations were there, but meh, they're just recommendations. That's all they are. They're suggestions. Right. Things you may want to consider. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, I, I found that basically there's a number of stages that we went through, and each stage sort of, you know, it was a, dis- a distinct distinct part of the, the job, and each stage had its own nuance. And if you look up the definition of nuance when you're renovating your kitchen, it basically says a nuance is another way of saying that you blew your budget. <laughs> That's a fancy way, fancy word for blowing the budget. Oh, yeah, an expensive lesson was it, learned by all. It's a nuanced project, honey. That's why it got so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. First phase, you, would, you, you can really relate to this, and hopefully the listeners do as well. It's called the, the, the planning phase. Um, I wasn't involved. I was watching football on television. Eating beef jerky? That's right. Good. Okay, gotcha. I've been following. Yep, you got it so far. In fact, another friend of ours who went through it, he didn't realize his wife still resided in the home. 
you know, he was watching, it was the NFL playoffs, so, you know, he just was totally out of commission. <laughs> but the planning phase, it's really exciting because there are no boundaries. You just, you, you, you just dream big. You know, money is not an object. You, uh, you, you watch HGTV and see these incredible kitchen renovations. You go through magazines and you cut out all the pictures and, and you say, this is what we want. And then you start to look at it and shop around. You realize, you know, money is an object. We, we can't afford to do that type of things. So then you get through the planning phase. And, and this is a phase that the, the Janwers are responsible for. It was called the picking my colors phase. Hello? It's the best if you leave the picking of the colors, Gary, yep. to the better half in your family. Because as you know... If you say it's green, she will tell you, and she'll be right, it's actually blue. Exactly. We can't see color for some no, reason. No, no. In fact, what she will probably tell you is not green, it's not blue, it's coastal red with hues of flamingo pink. <laughs> It'll be something like that. And during this phase, there's little itty-bitty postage stamp-sized pieces of colored paper. They call them paint chips. And these magically, like mushrooms, they appear all through the kitchen they're on the kitchen counter. They're over on the cabinets. That's part of going through the picking your colors phase, which which lasts almost as long as the entire construction project. <laughs> well, you need to make sure the colors are appropriate when the construction is finished. And eventually, this all does come together, and somehow you remain married. We'll find out more as we continue living retired with Gary Chalk. Stay with us. It's the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. Friday mornings, 10.30. Our good friend Gary Chalk, who writes the Living Retired column, it's a humor column, and we bring it to the radio program every Friday morning at 10.30. Today, Gary is reminding us of that time that they renovated the kitchen in the Chalk household, and he's here to tell the tale. We had just finished the uh, picking your colors phase, Gary, and then, of course, things must eventually start coming together, right? Well, they do, but just a little sidestep here, Mike. Valentine's Day is approaching, and just just take it from me. Don't purchase roses for your wife. When you're having dinner, just mention something about shaker beige. Shaker beige is a color chip that is, everybody has to have shaker beige in their kitchen these days. Just just a little hint. Shaker beige. Shaker beige. All right. So, honey, okay. would you pass the pepper? And by the way, how do you feel about shaker beige? <laughs> i tell you, you're going to be one hot guy. I can just see it. So the next phase, after you get through the picking my colors phase, you'd think it would be construction. No, it's the it's coming together phase. And the it's coming together phase, Mike, it's, it's another way of saying that the custom cabinets, those engineered, that engineered uh, hardwood flooring, uh, a rear, very expensive sink of some sort with a one-handle kitchen faucet with a matching pull-out handle, you have to have some, sort of, some type of imported tile backsplash. 
And, of course, there's the smudge-proof stainless steel appliances. All this stuff during the it's coming together phase boils down to you have to receive the blessing of the bank. <laughs> of course. Okay? So what you'll know there is is you speak with the bank, and they, to give you the money, the bank, obviously they have criteria that uh, they have to follow to make sure it's a, a good loan. So their two criteria are, are you installing a European-style backsplash? And B, did you select B, um, Shaker Beige? <laughs> right? And, 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 right, because if you didn't, then you probably wouldn't qualify for the loan because they know your project will be a disaster. Exactly. Yeah. They, they just know this thing, this is off the rails already if they can't pick or select Baker, uh, Shaker Beige for their their kitchen cabinets, that's for sure. So the bank will give you the money eventually, and that's when you begin what you've set out to do many months ago when you started this project, is the, the construction phase, sort of. And I add that, that, that you know, sort of phrase there, because you're now involved with the municipal building code. And there's a subsection in the municipal building code that talks about a series of unanswered threatening voicemail messages and a string of nasty emails that take place now between the homeowner and the builder that they've selected. Of course. Yeah, and the gist of that conversation, it's a disagreement on the date that you as the homeowner thought the builder was going to show up and when the builder decides to show up. I have to be honest with you. I was far less concerned about that than I was about the target date for completion. (laughs) When we did ours, we were cutting it awfully close to Christmas time back in the day. Oh, boy. Of course, it's got to be done in time so you can invite all your friends over and they can stand in their stocking feet and and slurp uh, shrimp seafood sauce over looking at your beautiful backsplash. (laughs) So the the clock was ticking, Mike. That's right. That's right. Uh, Well, I found myself, of course, there's there's another subsection in the... uh, the building code that that says that it's the discretion of the wife can demand that her husband takes the lead in harassing the no-show builder, <laughs> and that's when you're on the phone. You're saying things like "It's me again," and you, you didn't show up last month, and you're going to hear from my lawyer. And then Jan kept urging you to say, "Say, say egregious." That's a legal term that I guess people think, whoa, I better show up. (laughs) So you go through that. And finally, the construction phase is underway. And my goodness, I mean, what we found, it sounds like it was like you, our kitchen was out of commission so long, it was sort of like watching the Toronto Raptors try to play the final 30 seconds of an NBA basketball game. Well it said. went forever. It did. And, you know, it's it's cute and it's quaint for a while, right, yeah. Gary, yep. without a functioning kitchen at home? Oh, we're going to do this. We're going to have sandwiches. We're going to have a little microwave. It's, it doesn't, it, it's just, it's cute for a while. And then um, it gets old fast. Yeah, that's right. We, we, we thought it was cute until we were starting our seventh week of eating our meals out of utensils made of styrofoam sitting on the stairs going to the basement. Exactly. You know. We actually hunkered down in the basement. And it, yeah, it, oh, I could not wait to be back upstairs. Well, and that's where the, the in in the, um, the the consultant's report, had you hired one, they probably would have had a category in there of unplanned budget items, which is eating out. Absolutely. Yep. Best and place to go when the kitchen's under renovation. You're right. Yeah. So finally, you're at, it, it's in, the dust has been cleared, and you're finally in the decor item phase. It has to look right. Oh, 
my goodness, it, it, it's infilling is what it is. You've got these beautiful, expensive granite countertops, and now you have to cover them up with stuff from Urban Barn. <laughs> it, it's, it's, you know, it's knickknacks. Knickknacks I never even knew we, we had. We, we, we actually ended up with pictures in, in special frames of our grandchildren on Christmas morning where they were young, and the picture was taken before they puked all over their Christmas pajamas. We got all these fake flickering candles. You have a fire-retardant artificial topiary. You know, you might as well just buy a, a wood carving unit of, of an aardvark in heat and put it on the countertop. They, they just, you just fill it all in. And, and much like the color selection, the knick-knack decor item phase is best left to your better half. Oh, and for heaven's sakes, when your better half puts out that special new box of Kleenex tissues, remember, they are for display only. That's right. Heaven forbid you actually use one on your nose. I'm telling you, it's in the fine print in the municipal building code, Mike. Do <laughs> not use those new Kleenexes that are scattered through your renovated renovated kitchen. And whatever you do, don't actually ask what the knickknack is or <laughs> represents, lest she tell you. I don't want to know if it's an aardvark in heat. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. She'll just sort of, she'll just be like Jan. She'll shrug her shoulders and sigh and, and walk away. <laughs> I, what I, so lessons learned. So what do we learn when we do these kitchen renos? Well, some people call them kitchen renos and some people call them a gut job. And a, and, a, and a gut job has nothing to do about my physique when I put my bathing suit on, although there are similarities. A gut job is you just tore that thing apart. You were just, you were just thrilled when finally you had a working kitchen again. True. Absolutely true. Yeah, that, that, that's true. It, it comes, comes down to, you know, we, were, we knew in our project that we were off to a good start. When uh, the contractor arrived finally and, and drove this mammoth earth remover between my house and the neighbors around into the backyard, and in the process totally destroyed the uh, the lawn between our neighbor's house and ourselves, and that didn't put us in good shape. And then that night, there was a rainstorm. I'll correct myself. It was a monsoon. And we woke up in the morning, and that earth remover in the backyard, well, it was sort of like Conestoga Lake. The earth mover had shrunk down, and now what we had to do was wait for an extended period of sunshine and dry temperatures before they could get in to the earth mover. I thought you were going to have a kitchen reno and a swimming pool all in one. Well, you know, that's what Jan said. <laughs> Why don't we put that in? And, you know, if we were doing it today, we'd probably also incorporate a pickleball. That would really upset the neighbors to have a pickleball court that we could play pickleball all all the time. There you go. Gary, it's always fun. Uh, thanks for being here again this morning. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Gary Chalk is the Huber columnist who writes Living Retired. He brings it to the radio every Friday morning at 1030. It's part of the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. We will get into the big stories of the week with our Friday Four Roundtable. They join us every Friday from 11 until noon. Problems in the healthcare system, bigger problems even for Hockey Canada. How are we going to combat car thefts in Ontario? And why does Taylor Swift make so many people so 
angry. Those conversations coming up as part of our Friday 4 roundtable, which begins right after this update from the City News Centre. Stay with us on the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. It's 11 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? Do you know where your ears are? Hopefully they're right here, where they belong. It's our Friday 4 roundtable as we welcome into the studio Jane Mitchell, who of course is a former regional councillor. Good morning, Jane. Good morning. Good morning. Trish Mumby is with us as well, small business consultant and neighbour extraordinaire, I might add. Good morning, Trish. Good morning, Mike. Nice to see you. (laughs) Nice to see you as well. And David Drew is with us, the owner of Negotiating Change. Stakeholder engagement, government relations strategies. Good morning, sir. It's Friday. It's Friday. (laughs) The sun is coming out. The groundhog did not see a shadow. This is a good day all around. Uh, Maybe not such a good day for a woman who brought her daughter to emergency rooms, plural, St. Mary's and Grand River, experienced a 19-hour delay. And the young girl was actually suffering from appendicitis. Jane, I'll start with you on this. Are our woes in the healthcare system systemic problems or are these political problems? Well, I I think they're systemic and political. I've been uh, looking at, at this kind of thing and uh, I just recently heard that we need 55 family doctors in this region. So we're short of nurses, we're short of doctors and I think that would go a long way to solving this problem. I know that St. Mary's is expanding their uh, emergency, but if you don't have the staff to see to the people and get them moved through, and if you don't have the uh, the floors open to accept them once they have to get into the hospital, if people don't have a family doctor, where are they going to go? Urgent care. I, somebody told me they were waiting in urgent care for seven hours. That's the urgent care clinics for people that don't have. So I think it's it's systemic and it's political. And sadly, I think we are going to have to put more money in, even though we already are putting a lot of money into uh, into it. Yeah, it's one of the things we always ask is more money, what we're going to need to solve the problem because yeah. there's so much money in it already. But Trish, these stories, unfortunately, are becoming too common. They are. And it's. I think we're just... Lucky, I feel lucky that this woman made such an eloquent video about her experience because it's gone viral because it is not a unique story at all. I think we all probably know people who have spent 24 hours in Emerge or similar stories. Um, The idea about money, though, I I just don't think anybody's paying attention to how the money's being spent. Doug Ford loves a photo shoot with hospital beds. Yeah. I can go to Ikea and buy a whole bunch of hospital beds. No problem. I can put them together myself, too. But actually having people to staff them is a whole other issue, and that is the issue. Um, you know, everyone is living longer. Everyone's getting parts replaced. Everyone's, like, our our level of care has become more sophisticated. The things that our medical system can offer us is amazing, and can, but the actual human beings to administer them, that is the problem. And the money is just not coming fast enough. There is no real plan to interject new human beings to be at the beds and to run the tests and to keep the hospitals clean and functioning and fed. And that is the real problem. There's a huge lag in that. There's not enough people going into family medicine. There's not enough people going into medicine in generally. They're underpaid. And the political problem here is a matter of choice. Doug Ford has made the choice to freeze wages on medical workers, has made choices to put money into bucket beer and lowering hydro rates so that everyone feels good and feels like Uncle Doug's done them a big favor. But if you need an MRI while you feel something growing in your abdomen, 
you'll pay whatever you have to pay for hydro to get that. And that is, it is a political choice that he's made. He is, he's choosing to win with the public on stupid things like buck beer. I'm so glad you brought up the point about how much longer we're living, because I think it gets overlooked. I really do. Not to mention how quickly we are aging as a population. Some would argue we have already aged. We, we're not aging, but we're already there. And the demands on the system are only going to get greater. David, what are you seeing right now? Where is the line between the political problem and the system's problem? And I, I'm asking that kind of sincere, well, quite sincerely, because I'm wondering 30 years of underfunding from the province to our health care system. Um, it's been every party now because Bob Ray was premier and did the same as everybody else. He cut health care pretty heavily, too. So, you know, that causes system problems. But, but they poli- were political choices that caused this. But no, but this problem. is just it. It's all parties. So is it a partisan problem? No. Is it a political problem? Oh, yes, quite huge. Um, and I'll throw up my hobby horse that I always mention when we get to health care funding. This is a 50-50 deal between the provinces and the federal government. And when's the last time the federal government kept their end of the bargain up? I. But more than 20 years ago, my father fell, broke his hip in the middle of the winter outside and was taken by ambulance to a hospital and was lost. He ended up at a different hospital uh, several hours later, but there was no record of the transfer. So I got to Sudbury at 530 in the morning, called the hospital that the ambulance had taken him to, and they transferred me to the nurse's station where he was supposed to be, and they said, no, he's been transferred. And I said, where? And they said, to another hospital, and there were three in Sudbury at that point. Well, which one? They didn't know. And I called around, and none of the hospitals had a record of him being there. My gosh. So I got back to the original hospital. I'm like, listen, do I need to call the sanatorium and find out if my dad was put in the insane asylum for a broken hip? And then they just kept me on the phone and they found them. So, like, these these problems have existed. And what I'm just wondering when I see something like this is, what if I'd had social media back then? Right. (laughs) And what would the clapback have been from people who read that post and had a similar story? Like, I, I think about that. And I also think about this. We desperately need a new hospital in this area. But, you know, Sudbury lost two hospitals, got a 60% increase in the number of hospital beds by expanding the one that they kept open. And... And closed a nursing program. But the thing about that, that's years later. The thing about that, though, is, like, everybody's in one site now. So my father would never get lost in that one hospital the way he was lost between three. And now we're going to have our third as well. So it's another level of complications that we just have to be prepared to deal with. I... Do not want to say there's a systemic problem with the healthcare workers because I think they are doing yeoman's tasks. I was in Sudbury at the palliative care ward this year, and I heard nurses screaming down the hall more than once, none of my patients are being bathed today. I just don't have time. And I did not look at that as something that I should be grouchy at them about. I heard somebody crying for help. Um... We have huge problems in our healthcare system, and until you walk through the halls and see it in action, you don't realize a lot of them. And I wondered, I, I deliberately, because I know it's a blurry line between systemic or political, and that's why I posed the question the way that I did. But what I'm starting to wonder is, if we just need to strip this thing down, 
and rebuild. I agree. So that's what I think. And I don't think it's a 50-50 partnership. I think there's four players. I do see the federal, provincial. That's the way our system is set up. But there's also the next generation of healthcare workers. It has to be an attractive enough career to go into for them to play their part. I don't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. My daughter isn't choosing to do it. I heard you say this week that your daughter might be. And I'm, I'm counting her on her. Come on, but kid. There's not enough because, the gover- because we haven't made it an attractive proposition for them. And the fourth player in this is who's doing the math, like the population immigration economists around what we need. Is are, do we have enough in the system? We, we keep inviting people to come to Canada and we don't have, we're not set up to support them. We don't have enough. They can't get a family doctor. No one can get a family doctor. No one can get it, the burden on the healthcare system. Isn't isn't we can't support it, and also we don't. We're not putting the universities aren't putting the emphasis on the right places. We need geriatrics. Like we need to look at the aging population and what they need. We need more hips and knees and older people stuff. Um, cataract surgeons, all of that. Um, on top of on top of everything else, but I heard a story recently that that is one of the issues that the universities are. It's kind of random how they choose how many students to let into these different programs, and uh, that really surprised me that it wasn't a hand in hand conversation with economists about what the population is going to look like in ten years when they're finished their residency, where they should be. I think once again, the whole immigrant thing comes up, and I just want to point out that there's a lot of immigrants that are nurses and doctors and also uh, personal support workers. So we do need immigration mm-hmm. and it's really important. And, uh, you know, that. so I don't think it's, it's immigrants or old people that are blocking up the system. I think it's just the system itself and that we need more. I know when my grandson almost died a year ago um, when he drowned, almost drowned, the response was absolutely fabulous. When it's something like that, he was at Grand River, he was flowing to McMaster, and I won't go into details, mm-hmm. but six weeks later he walked out and he was, he's pretty much the same as he's always been. So let's not sort of go down on our, use examples that are, you know, going down on our health system. We do have a fabulous health system, but it needs a lot of work. And I'm very concerned with the way Ford is moving towards privatizing some of these things because that's profit, that's more money being pulled out of the system and we just need to fix what's there just fix emergency this is what we're talking about it's emergency i'm not That's talking about emergency problem. i'm talking about people have growths in their bodies far too yes. long it takes yes. six months to get an mri yes and i yes. welcome all Absolutely. immigrants that can work in um health but that's another obstacle the government has put they have oh, made yes. foreign workers Absolutely. in healthcare far too difficult for them to be a part of our system we, absolutely we, absolutely we don't even really know what the waiting lists for mris are in this province yeah, because if you are in toronto there are more than a dozen MRIs right up and down University Avenue, and none of them speak to each other. So yeah. I could be on four lists, and none of them know about it. I could be on all of the lists, or I could only know about the one. So we have systemic problems. We have a fax based far too much. Uh, when I had my neck surgery done, there was no ability for my surgeon in Ottawa to communicate with my family doctor here in town. It's, we have a whole lot of systemic issues, but I'm going to come back to it. We got to start paying for stuff. Yeah, um, cough up. Yeah, yeah. Like we 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 can't have nice things. We can't have Justin Trudeau level of nice things on Stephen Harper's taxes. <laughs> well put. Yeah. David yeah. Drew, Jane Mitchell, and Trish Mumby with us on the Friday Four Roundtable this morning. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News Five Seventy and Rogers TV.
In studio this morning on the Friday Fort Roundtable with Trisha Mumby, David Drew, Jane Mitchell. We've talked about health care in this province. Let's talk about our national winter sport. And boy, oh boy, has it been a big week in hockey when five players now stand accused. They used to play for Team Canada, 2018 World Junior Hockey Championship team. Five members of that team charged in connection to a sexual assault. Trish, has Hockey Canada's Day of Reckoning arrived? No, it'll go away. It's. I, I think that it. Sh- they should. I mean, I assume. I, I assume everyone f- that was involved in the payouts is gone from the board and all of that. I, th- I heard that in the summer before. Um, but it's a. It's a cultural problem, and and at the end of the day, our, our unfortunately, our culture kind of accepts it. Like the Americans are about to elect a sexual assault <laughs> fan, I guess I'll call him that. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it seems to be okay, and it's, it's insane, and it's disgusting, and the details of this case are really, really terrible. And even now, like, I hear people saying, well, this, that was years ago. Like, why has she dragged this on? She has not dragged this on. The London police screwed this up from the beginning. Um, she, in fact, wanted it to go away, but the law is such that it goes... The, it's up to the Crown to press charges. The Crown has decided to press charges. It's out of her hands. She doesn't want to be doing this for as many years as she's had to. Um, I think it's absolutely shameful that they sat on this bulk of money that they used to pay off. I heard at least two cases a year for five years they paid victims off with money from minor hockey, from money that parents were putting, paying to Hockey Canada for their little kids to go out and learn our beloved sport. Are you kidding me? That is disgusting. I, I, there, I think there should be a bigger reckoning. I think there should be, maybe it needs to be dissolved entirely and the finances need to be set up differently. Why Why are little, why is little kid fees supporting it anyway? I don't understand what exactly Hockey Canada as a group is for and why they have that much money that they can just pay off sexual assault victims without eliminating sexual assault. Uh, but... Yeah, I can't even I can't even really talk about it straight, as you can see. <laughs> I understand that completely, and, and I don't think you're alone in that at all. David, what are your thoughts on where we're at and where we might end up? I think the reckoning for Hockey Canada came when this broke and they lost all their sponsors. And everything right now is going to be positioned as part of the C. The system is working. We are now doing these things. But, you know, the NHL promised investigations into this, too. And they've just kept delaying and delaying and delaying when, like, I think it was before Christmas the results were supposed to, or no, pardon me, months ago. And then it got delayed to before Christmas. So there's a whole lot of people who are dodging accountability here. Um, I don't think there's any more of a reckoning coming for Hockey Canada, and nor am I sure that there should be. Um, you know, if ba- more bad actions from the past have come, come forward, they should be dealt with. But there has been the clean sweep. Um, at what point now are you punishing a kid for something their older brother did, so to speak? <laughs> Sorry, I... No, I, no, I, I get it. So you want the kids to still be in the system today, but it's a cleaner system that they're in. Well, if more stuff that is happening in the current comes up, that is on Hockey Canada. Right. But as long as we're talking about this stiff, stuff from five or six years ago, all the people who facilitated that are gone. What are they doing differently, though? Have they... Well, like, that's mm-hmm. just it. I, I know they've said they're doing some things differently, but if they get caught doing any of this again, then the reckoning really happens. But any more action at this point, 
we already knew all of this. All that's happening now is we're getting names. Yeah. That's like the only new piece of information for this week. Jane, what are your thoughts? I think it's a cultural thing. Um, yes, there's a clean sweep. Yes, we're going to do better. But the fact that young men are still raping and still doing things, terrible things like this, and they don't understand that you don't do that, that's what really concerns me. And this is what happened with Me Too. It started people talking about this because it's all been kept secret all through the years, back to the 50s, 40s, 30s, whatever. And uh, we, need to, we need to change our culture. And we need to talk to young men and we need to have young boys and young men understand that they should be respecting women and not doing these things, that it's not fun, it's not good, and you just don't do it. And I don't see that happening in our society, that young, young boys and young men, unless they're taught at home that you don't do that, they don't happen. And on the positive side, my two grandchildren are going to the Y and it's the Titans, the, the Titans professional. And those three guys... That, that work with the young kids, they're just fantastic. That's the type of thing we want to see. They're gentle with them. They're, they're helping them, you know, and making them enthusiastic about basketball. And that's what we need to see. We don't need to see young men assaulting women. And it just needs to stop. There's a good program called Male Allies through the yeah. Sexual Assault Support Center of Waterloo yeah. Region as well, which is something that's positive out there for sure. Jane Mitchell, Trish Mumby, David Drew with us in studio on the Friday Four Roundtable this morning. It's the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. We have covered health care. We have covered Hockey Canada. We still need to talk about car thefts and how we combat them here in Ontario. And we haven't even touched on Taylor Swift. Oh, we've got more to come with our Friday Four Roundtable. Stay with us. It's the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. We are in studio this morning with David Drew, the owner of Negotiating Change, Stakeholder Engagement, Government Relations Strategies, Jane Mitchell, a former regional councillor, and Trish Mumby, who is a small business consultant. Let's talk about the money that the feds were throwing around this week. Oh my goodness gracious. One day it's $120 million to combat car thefts. The next day it's $330 plus million to help asylum seekers find permanent residency or some sort of shelter. A lot of that going to Toronto. Uh, David, I'll start with you on this one and that is the plan to combat car thefts and that $120 million coming to Ontario. Money well spent? It's hard to tell. Because they don't actually say what they're spending the money on. And to be fair, I'm not the biggest expert who'd be able to look at that and go, aha, they should have added a zero here or dropped a zero there. But once again, with the federal government, there's all this emphasis on the dollar amount and very little on what we are getting for those dollars at the end of the day. This is a huge problem. I hope they are spending it in a good way. They're giving it to the provincial government. Presumably, there's some earmarks around what the province is allowed to spend it on, but I think it will be the province's decision as to how they allocate it. Money well spent or not, I don't know yet, but we need to be doing something, so I'm hoping it is. I agree with that huge problem part, Jane. This is one of the things I hear from people about more than almost anything else. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it is a problem. I'm thinking about my own car. That's a hybrid Toyota, 
no, don't steal it. <laughs> don't <laughs> take any ideas. Yeah, don't get any ideas. But yeah, no, I agree. It, it's a problem, especially when you start putting carjackings and, and home invasions so that they can get the keys to the car. And uh, and it's professional. It's it's a mafia th- type thing. It's it's not some poor soul buying, you know, stealing a loaf of bread from the corner store. This is big business. And it's big business that's hurting people because it's taking their cars. Yeah, absolutely. We should be doing something. But David's right. What are they doing? I don't know. Hopefully wiretapping and, and trying to figure out who's doing this and and, and looking at the uh, containers. I understand I was reading a thing where where the, the government, the federal government, I guess it would be, will not inspect uh, containers that leave from uh, BC. And so, you know, if they're not, if they're not checking stuff... Montreal going to go out. Montreal is the biggest port in Canada for this, and okay. I heard something similar. They didn't say none, none but they said the, our ability to do so is so embarrassingly small yeah, that it's worth losing yeah. a couple. Yeah, and, yeah, and this, they pick Canada because other companies yeah. do this. Yeah, The speed countries. with which a vehicle can be stolen in Toronto and onto a shipping container at a port in Montreal would blow your mind. I can't remember the exact number, but it's within, like, yeah. well within 24 mm-hmm. hours. I remember reading that story not far ago either. And yeah. you're right, Jane, this is organized crime without question. Trish, what do you make of it? Well, I don't know a lot about this, to be honest, and but I feel like Jane and Dave both just made the argument that we are not sure this is money well spent. If But if the Port of Montreal is where the problem is, why isn't money going to fix the Port of Montreal part of it? $121 million <clears throat> excuse me, is a lot of money. And, you know, we just finished talking about our broken health care system. I think it was the um, police chief of Peel who said this is the number one issue, up, um, a community safety issue. Is it really? Is it, is it the number one thing that's putting people in Peel region in danger? I don't know. I'm a bit surprised by that. And and like Jane said, we're not the first community to face this. I would rather see, we have talked to the city of Boston, who also has a gigantic port, and maybe they have a problem, and they have done X, Y, Z. So we're going to spend some money and do X, Y, Z and learn from what they've learned. I feel like they're just throwing money at a problem that is very visible, that people say, not going to happen to me, my poor car. Oh, my gosh, is this going to happen to me? They're throwing pro- They're throwing money at a problem that people can easily relate to. Um, instead of problems like we've talked about, that if, if you don't have something growing in your abdomen now, when you do, you want an MRI. And and it's just an immediacy choice they're making that I'm not really keen on, and there's just not enough details, and it's a lot of money. My question is why the car companies are allowed to make vehicles where the keys are so easily clonable. Good point. Like, that is really what the problem is. It's like not, people aren't smashing windows anymore. They're just opening the door and driving away because they have the credentials. Um, yeah, and I've heard that there are yeah. some little boxes. If you put your keys in a box, like an RFID, whatever, thing, so it can't be readable. Well, is that the answer? Tell everyone, maybe the government could get staples to sell little boxes to put in your, <laughs> put in your house. Oh, because we can't do things ourselves. We have to get big box cronies to do it. Uh, put your keys in that special little box. Is maybe, that maybe money that better should come spent? with yeah. the car. The box? Yeah. 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 One box for every set of keys that the car comes with. It should be automatic, but why? Instead of just writing checks for random projects that are unnamed, I, I don't, I don't well, buy it. No, but if this was a safety defect, if, yes. if, if this yes. was a safety defect, we'd be all over it. Well, I'd say it it's is just, kind of a safety defect. Well, it, it is kind of a safety yeah. defect, yes, but the other side of it is, where are the profits going? 
you know, they're not, you know, building parks in the communities. This is organized crime. What are they putting it towards? And that might be where the mayor of Peel or whoever it was from Peel was speaking like this is the biggest threat. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Remember the airports in Peel. If I find out that some of this money is being spent on studies, I'm going to lose it. (laughs) Do do you think the Ford government is going to spend money on studies? I don't know. Oh, yeah. No, they will. And then they just won't show us the results of those studies. Yeah. yeah. Or any recommendations contained therein. To your point, David, about the money being announced with no real tangible idea of how it might be spent. No, no targets, for example. I couldn't help but wonder. This was back-to-back days. $120 million here, 336 I think it was, for uh, shelter for asylum seekers. We're talking close to a half a billion dollars. Surely these are the kinds of things that you do in anticipation of an election, don't you? You might be late to the party with these announcements because the problems have already presented themselves, but boy, oh boy, it sure looks nice that you're doing something. I, I Honestly, You're no. not buying it, eh? No. Okay, I, I, I tried. I, I, I think I, there'd I, be I, more zeros on it. I think there'd be a whole lot more zeros more on it. More zeros than nine? Oh, yeah. six. Okay, we're half a billion. No, because, yeah. like, honestly, as much as this is a lot of money, $120 million, I mean... No, but 120 million here, 336 million there. Yeah, but you start I, adding up the zeros, you're getting there. Yeah, but that's a state. You have to have them all added up for the big number. And the big number is an election number. It is just basically taking pockets of money and saying, let's make these voters happy, these voters happy, these voters happy. Let's not fix underlying issues. Right now, we're just trying to get reelected, okay? I think everybody, though, is waiting for their dental. That's when I think when the dental goes through, that's when you're going to see an election. Because everybody will be very happy. Well, the people that are under a certain amount of income. Didn't I see today that if you're 72 years old, you can start applying for that now? I think that's the headline I saw. Oh, is it? I think so. Yeah. Anyway. David, you're you're skeptical of that. I'm skeptical of so much when it comes to this coalition. No, this entire thing. Um, I don't believe we're going to be going sooner on an election. Um, and I do think we're going to have Justin Trudeau running for the Liberals in the next campaign. I'm, I really do think that we are now past the point where he can gracefully leave room for somebody else. You know he's in Kitchener right now. Maybe he's he here is. listening to you. He might be. Don't do it. Don't run again? Go back to snowboard <laughs> yeah. teaching. Exactly. Bring, Take a walk in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, I know, it's not a coalition. It's a supply and confidence agreement. Yeah. David Drew. Oh, you and your pointy-headed definitions of things. <laughs> Jane Mitchell and Trish Mumby with us on our Friday Four Roundtable this morning. We'll take a break. And when we come back, we are going to figure out why so many people are so upset with Taylor Swift. My brother says it's because she's a Chiefs fan. He's a Cowboys fan. I don't think it's just that, Tom, but it might be close. Uh, This is the Mike Farwell Show on our Friday Four Roundtable on City News 570 and Rogers TV. Our Friday Four Roundtable today comprised of Jane Mitchell, Trish Mumby, David Drew. We got to get to the question of the hour, and that is what it is about Taylor Swift that makes Donald Trump and his allies and so many others, although there are a lot of allies of Donald Trump, right? Some 70 million votes the last time he ran for election in the United States. So there you go. Tens of millions of people screaming into the wind about Taylor Swift. The question I have is, why, Jane Mitchell? Why? <laughs> These are the hard-hitting issues we get into on the Friday Four Roundtable. Yeah, I think Donald Trump is afraid of Taylor Swift, which is 
so strange, but she's a successful woman. She's got a a really great boyfriend who apparently is all for vaccines, which Trump supporters are not for vaccines, apparently. And there's a lot of of grumpy old men who don't like to see an attractive woman watching watching sports. And I don't, I you know, it is hard to understand, but I think it's just, you know, people have said to me, oh, Trump's going to get in, he's going to get in. And I said, you do understand that's just the Republicans that are having him run as their person. And I don't know how that's going to work. I think a lot of people are going to vote Democrat because they're just like, no, no, we won't have this. And the Republicans are going to have to have, I hope they will lose the election beautifully. And they are going to have to have a reckoning and, and think about where they're going to go as a party. Because to be upset that Taylor Swift is watching her boyfriend, that's just, it's bizarre. And I, so I just think that, that Trump's and, and his people are, are actually afraid of her. I think the point on an attractive woman watching football is well taken in light of Travis Kelsey's brother, Jason, being celebrated at a game watching his brother shirtless up in the crowd with everybody else. And hey, I had no problem with it. Like yeah. none at all. But nobody complained about that being on their TV screens during a football game. Trish, what do you think of all of this? I think it's all so silly, and it's just <laughs> haters going to hate, 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 hate. And who cares? Is that a Taylor Swift song? It is. Okay, I guessed. Here on AM radio. <laughs> um, it's it's just ridiculous, and I think he, he's really, he's afraid of her power. She is very powerful. She did get people to register to vote. Like when she, in the last election, she asked her fans, if you are of age, go out and register to vote, and she crashed the system. So many young people heard that message and said, I'm going to register. Whether they voted or not, don't know. Um, And so he's afraid of her power for sure. But she hasn't spoken up for Biden yet. Uh, She probably will. I hope she does. And he's afraid of that. But also he knows he's just going to get some press out of talking about her. Like it's just a sizzly little thing to say. He's got to get into a fight with somebody. So he's always got to have someone to pick on. This week it's her. It's stupid. Um, I think the bigger problem is they should get Taylor Swift to run. Like, I, it, you've got Weekend at Bernie's up against Trump. It's ridiculous. It's going to be <laughs> the the craziest election we've ever seen. And it's terrifying because the world needs a strong U.S. leader. We're in a weird place. Um, and I, I find it terrifying. And I wish I got a vote, but I don't. Um, so I, I really think the bigger, bigger issue is somebody like Taylor Swift should run to defeat him because I, I, I think realistically he has a very strong chance, and that's terrifying. I love the we've got weekend at Bernie's against Donald Trump. Very well played. And, you know, this is one of the things that I've struggled with. We talked about Justin Trudeau kind of briefly in the last segment, like take your walk in the snow, let the liberal party fortunes be what they Mm -hmm. are. I would have said the same for Joe Biden. I know it was a lifelong ambition. You achieved the presidency. Take your term and go. I do not know what is stopping the uh, it, 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 it would be a wonderful movie sometime. Like, where is Kamala? Where are other Democrats? Why are they putting him up? Why are they propping him up with his sunglasses on and God knows what else? Because they, is happening. they they're they're afraid of the Hillary factor with Camilla. That you know, I'm sorry, mm. I'm just said her name wrong, and I'm I apologize mm-hmm. for that. But they they're afraid of a. I agree. Another they're woman not ready for running. a woman. But where's there, there's yeah. got to be someone else that could run in his place? Where's Kennedy when you need him. There has to be some. <laughs> there there's a Kennedy. Has, there has to be somebody not half their mm-hmm. age. To run, and I don't mean to be just yeah. ageist about it, but goodness gracious, David, 
left you on the sidelines here, pun intended, because we're talking Taylor Swift and football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this all started on Newsmax, where one of their pundits said, and the word on the street that I'm getting is that Taylor Swift is going to endorse Joe Biden. And then Fox picked it up. And it became this ping-pong conversation between these two stations, one-upping each other on what this meant. And let's take it back. She endorsed Joe Biden in the last election. Are there new votes there? Are there old votes there? The reactions from some of the Newsmax people. Are they going to take their advice from someone who flies on a private jet, these voters? Well, you're Doesn't talking- Donald Trump do that? Well, exactly. <laughs> Um, and then didn't pay for it either. And then the it was another commentator from Newsmax who said, you know, holy war on Swift. Oh, um, ridiculous. Where is this coming from? It honestly just sort of feels like this is not a Trump thing. This is a peripheral Trump thing, like the people from Newsmax, the right wing pundits. Taylor Swift is like the number one pop culture figure right now because of her own personal success. Like, oh, my gosh, is she going to make it back from Asia in time for the Super Bowl to watch the game because she's got that concert? They're just bringing attention. You know, she's hot right now. So we're going to mention Trump in that context because Mm -hmm. that's where it's going to go. And I really think this is all just performance art. Um I don't remember if it was with the Friday Four or just you and I talking where I said Rebel News, they're not journalists, they're a bunch of buskers. Same with these networks, Fox and Newsmax. They are really just going for ratings. And And what a wonderful distraction from all of the, what, 13 lawsuits Trump is involved in right now? Isn't it way more fun to talk about Taylor Swift? You'd think, although... Uh, It's kind of weird. Donald Trump said, you know, he could kill someone on the streets of New York and his polls numbers would go up. And it really seems with every lawsuit and indictment and every horrible, horrible thing we find out he's accused of doing, his numbers do go up. Yeah. So, you know, maybe they would rather talk about that stuff. But Mm. can't we just celebrate? A so far successful celebrity union. Why not? They seem happy, Travis and Taylor. But honestly, I've also got to just throw this out there because once again... I am hearing more about the Donald Trump, Taylor Swift people from people defending Taylor Swift than anybody who's pushing this Donald Trump thing. I have heard so much more from the people who are offended by all of this. I would not have heard about it if people hadn't taken offense. That's what I always find interesting about this stuff. It's the people reacting to it and sticking up for Taylor Swift and putting it out there that are publicizing the issue more because otherwise it would have just stuck on Newsmax and Fox News and that none of us would have heard about it. It's true. I love the way it works today. I blame social media. Uh, David Drew is the yeah. owner of Negotiating Change, Stakeholder Engagement, Government Relations Strategies, Trish Mumby, a small business consultant, and Jane Mitchell, a former regional counselor. As always, I appreciate your time. Thank you for being here. Thank you. It's always fun. It is yeah, fun. Thank you. It's the Friday for... Weather looks great. Have a lovely weekend to all the listeners. You as well. No football this weekend. No complaining about Taylor. It's the uh, Friday Four Roundtable on the Mike Farwell Show, City News 570 and Rogers TV.
A quick and sincere thank you to Robert, the entire team at Rogers TV Cable 20 for producing the TV side of this show as they do from 10 until noon every day. We've got an update from the City News Center coming up. Then the Coaches Show and the 12 o'clock Talk Back Hour. It is your regular Mike Farwell Show programming as we continue. Stay with us on City News 570 and so long, Rogers TV. Let us begin our 12 o'clock talk back today by having a talk with the head coach of the Kitchener Rangers, UC Ahokas, joins us on the show. Good afternoon, UC. Oh, good afternoon. How is everybody feeling these last few days? I know it's always tough to be in a bit of a slump. How's everybody doing? No, we're doing good. I think still we've practiced well and now we're getting guys back, so that's that's a good thing. So, but... I haven't really thought about it. Maybe other people have thought about it. We had five tough games and we're not playing that well, but in the long run, it might be good that we had to we have to go through this and get back even better. What guys are you able to get back this weekend? Uh, Adonofsky, Swick, Bugliese. So, so that's that, that's a good thing. Do you ever try when things are not going the best to mix things up? Do you, you know, add some fun to practice? Do you do anything different at all to just try to shake things up a little bit? Yeah, we did. We had uh, Wednesday. We did. We had a lot of scoring competition, a lot of goal scoring Wednesday, and then again, a little bit different things again. But you have to have the basics and. Things what are not going that well in, in the games, you have to practice them. But, yeah, yeah, it's always a – that's coaching. A little bit different all the time. And I'm sure part of that too, you see, is reminding the guys – I know that you know this deep down. I think they do too. This is a good hockey club. It's just going through a rough time. Oh, yeah. Well, we know that. We know that. And it's it doesn't – few losses doesn't change it. Anywhere, anywhere, like, but still, we know why we've lost, and and uh, we just have to be better in those situations, and uh, and we know, and we're looking at more of the game. Like I would say, the London game, the second period was one of the best periods, even though we didn't score, but then the whole season. So uh, it's more getting that sixty minute of playing for the game and getting rid of a little bit of mistakes and being better in our chances so at that point i think we'll do just fine after that you mentioned edward chalet after the game on tuesday night thought he might have had one of his best games since joining the team do you feel like he's starting to get settled here in kitchener yeah i think so like i i've thought every game he's been a little bit better like what he's been with us so yeah I'm, uh, i was really happy to see See, see him, him doing well and doing better, better. And that's always a adjustment period for everybody who comes to a new team. It's not that easy, and you, you have to give, give them a little bit of time. 
How much does it mean to get a veteran presence and a leader like Matt Andonofsky back into the lineup? Well, yeah, he's he's a huge part of our D core. Um, he's uh, a, a assistant cat, like he's one of our captains, and uh, yeah, he, he's a big part of our team. So it, it helps for sure, uh, and uh, he's been playing big minutes the whole season. And then when he's out, somebody else has to have to play them. So yeah, well, I'm happy he's back. Is there one element of the game you see? over this little slide that you've been in that concerns you more than others? You know, you haven't been scoring a ton. The power play maybe not be where you want it to be. Is there one area of the game that concerns you more than others? Well, it's, it changes. When you're missing three, like from your top four, you're, at some point we're missing three Ds from our top four, four Ds, and it changes the game at that point. So you can't really kind of look at the game. It's more of a more like that. That's a lot of doing and breakouts and all the scoring. Even though we've had chances and uh, and I, I thought power play also like even though we we haven't scored in some games we've had good looks, but now we have to just uh, capitalize them better. But yeah, for sure, last ten games our power play hasn't been there where it should be. And but I, I, and I know we have we have still plenty of time to get it. So. Uh, yeah, I don't think when we have we're, we have to better, and uh, of course uh, we have to get our uh, offensive game breakouts, and that that there we have to be better also. How important are special teams at this level of the game in the Ontario Hockey League? Uh, for sure, they're in well, in any any high level of game, this PK and power play, they they divide the games. Like if it's a tight game, do you get one or two goals? Or And then if your PK doesn't let, that's a one or two goals right away. And that's a huge in game. So, yeah, and, and every, even whatever league you're at, they're big. They're a big part. Guelph Storm comes into town tonight. They're struggling a little bit lately, too. What do you need to do against Guelph to be successful? Well, they're a hard-working team. Uh, I think we have to... Right now, we have to just get back to our game and uh, get get speed on our rushes, get offense deep, offensive zone. We have to get pucks to the net, a lot of low to high plays, and get... get do do it a little bit more simple, not try too much, and uh, and then if we play well defensively, I think then we're gonna we're gonna play just well, and then then we have a good chance of winning. Always look forward to a game on Friday night. We'll see you at the rink, UC. Thank you. All right, thanks a lot. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. You see a hocus head coach of the Kitchener Rangers joins us every Friday at this time for the coaches show, and if you're anything like me. You heard music in your ears when you heard the coach say Matt Andonofsky is back, which we knew because his suspension is over. But Antonino Pugliese, missing just one game, he's back. Trent Swick is back. I was a little bit worried about him when I saw him after the game in London. uh, What are we at now? 13 days ago. And it's great to hear that he is back as well. So some good news for the Rangers. They're getting some important reinforcements. And who doesn't love a little Highway 7 rivalry? And we get to host it tonight at the Memorial Auditorium in Kitchener. Heard some numbers last night about the size of the crowd. 
I know you can still get a ticket, and you might want to do that. A lot of our friends from the Royal City are going to make the trip down Highway 7. It's a 20, 30-minute drive, depending on where you are in Guelph. Beautiful place to see a game tonight here in Kitchener, and that means you, Rangers fans, are going to have to represent, right? Because the Guelph Storm are going to have some of their own fans in the building tonight. Who will outweigh who? when it comes to the noise that's made for their respective teams at the Memorial Auditorium tonight. If you can't make the game, don't worry. We've got you covered right here on City News 570. Pre-game coverage will get underway at 6.35. Don't forget, pre-game coverage also includes the fix is in. Thanks to our friends at City Cabs. Paul Fixter will try to do a decent job of answering the three questions we posed to him before the game. Kitchener Rangers have lost five in a row coming into this one. The Storm coming off a loss at a school day game in Erie on, it was just yesterday, so it's Thursday. And we go to Erie uh, tomorrow to take on the Otters in their barn. So lots to look forward to this weekend when it comes to the OHL. Pre-game coverage brought to you by Harris Law starts at 6.35 tonight. And we'll take you right through Rangers talk after the game. You can call in and share your thoughts about the game that just happened, the league in general etc. This is your home of Kitchener Rangers hockey and the head coach joins us every Friday at noon for the coaches show. Quick break and then it's the 12 o'clock talk back. Your calls coming up on City News 570. Take out the papers and the trash Or you don't get no spending cash If you don't spread that kitchen floor You ain't gonna rock and roll no more don't talk bad. Just finish cleaning up your room. Let's see that dust fly with that broom. Get all that garbage out of sight. Or you don't go out Friday night. Don't talk bad. Oh, but please do. Talk back. Pretend I'm your parent and you're a teenager. And you're not going to get a slap across the mouth for it. I should. I, I paused. I wasn't sure I should say that, but you know that's what used to happen, right? Don't talk back to me, young man. Backhand across the face. My parents were awesome. They never did such things, but we know those things happened at one time or another, back when corporal punishment was a thing. Uh, Here's how it works. You pick up the phone, you give us a call. 519-570-2545. Star 570 one 800 And let's have a conversation. Paul, you're first. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. Yeah, just watch a few movies from the 50s or shows from the 50s and 60s, and you quite you hear them quite often saying to the kids they're going to get a whooping. So, uh, anyways, I was calling about the uh, your previous guests were talking about the whole Trump Taylor Swift thing. Yeah, and the thing that you know I constantly hear is this whole Trump threat and the threat to democracy, blah blah blah. But you know, I have a home in the U.S. and half my family is American in the U.S. And the vast majority of people that I talk to down there, I mean, they don't like Trump. They don't like the guy, but it's what he represents. He represents a threat to the establishment. And that's what a lot of people down there want to see. They want somebody to come on and just shake up the government and shake up the establishment because the establishment doesn't work. And I can tell you that if there was a Trump-style guy here in Canada, he'd have my vote every single time. Not because I like the guy. But what kind of what he represents? But you, you know, saw. But Paul, hang on, hang on now. You you already saw what? Well, you already saw in in his first term 
what he represents yeah. and what life was like when thank he quote unquote. Hang on, Paul, 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 Paul. I'm listening. I'm thank listening. you. I just want to ask you a question, okay? All right. You already saw what shaking up the establishment means when Donald Trump is in charge. Are you okay with that guy? Yeah, I'm good with that. No okay. new wars. All right. That, that That's fine. That's all I wanted to know. I, I get you. I, I think it's a fair point. Somebody that's anti-establishment. I got it. And so maybe that's why he got voted in the first time. Now you saw what anti-establishment, at least through the leadership and eyes of Donald Trump, looks like. Are you okay with that? Paul says, absolutely. Cool. Gerald, good afternoon. Hey, Mike. Uh, I got a couple things to talk about. One from today and a couple of weeks ago I tried to get through, but uh, I think the call dropped or something. But um, today when you were talking about the car thefts and, and things like that, you know, it really irks me when uh, the governments give the car companies so much money to uh, come and locate here. And I understand the jobs and all that stuff. But we have better security on our laptops than we do on our cars. And to your point that you made today uh, regarding how quickly cars can be shipped out of a GO train parking lot in Toronto, made to order, year, color, make, the whole thing, and they can be on a container in Montreal by supper time. So, you know, um, and when you think about who profits from this, well, really, when you get right down to it, who profits? The car company, because you got to go out and buy another car usually. And, and so they're selling two to you instead of one. So there's a there's a profit margin there for you. Um, the other thing, uh, a couple of weeks ago, you were talking about Staples and the uh, and the. Uh, 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 the the government moving the service Ontario stuff there, you know, uh, it's interesting that it's happening. But I think the bigger issue here, if we look at it, is we haven't effectively come to grips with globalization. And you know, a lot of the inequity, economic inequity in the world today, and and it's starting to hit you know North America as well. And if we haven't been successful in fixing that. And we keep doing what we're doing with jobs and AI is on the horizon. If you don't think AI is going to really upset the apple cart, then I think you you need to rethink this. But we have no idea what to do with the social impact of what's going to happen. You think the government's just going to pay us all to sit at home? I don't think so. Then the last thing, Trudeau and his trip. You know, we, we talked about that on the show, too. And, you know, the biggest thing I can't get is because Trudeau is always pulling out a size 9 and putting in a size 10, is um, really the guy's a millionaire. So you know what? Multi-millionaire. Pay for his own trip. Pay the $84,000. It's not going to break him. As for going on holiday, the guy works 24-7. So you think he's not allowed a couple of weeks with his thing? And being being the prime minister of the country... He needs security, whether we like him or not. So the plane, no big deal. He goes on vacation. He has to travel in a government plane. We pay the freight for that, the same as we would do for any other prime minister. But the size 10 piece is why didn't he just pay for the trip himself? He's a multimillionaire. It wouldn't have even affected him. So that's my rant or rave or whatever we're doing today. But uh, thanks for listening to me. Thanks for the call, Gerald. Very eloquently stated across the board. And I must say, sir, you sound like a very loyal listener. And I am truly appreciative of that.
Thank you very much. It's our 12 o'clock talk back hour, and we continue on the Mike Farwell Show, City News 570. Classic Queen and Hammer to Fall on our all-request Friday here on the Mike Farwell Show. Greg sent in that request. Let us know yours as well. You can tell Devin when you call in or send me an email, mike at 570news.com. We spin little bits of your requested songs every Friday on the show. The 12 o'clock talkback continues. Let's get back to the calls. Rory, good afternoon. Hey, Mike. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. Thank you, sir. How are you? I'm pumped for tonight's game. I'm taking a couple of the boys to the game tonight uh, for birthday celebration, so expecting the streak to be broken. I love it. What a great way to celebrate a birthday, too. That's good parenting right there, Rory. Well oh, done. Yeah, you know, <laughs> once in a while, Mike, once in a while. Attaboy. Um, you know, Mike, uh, I'm calling about the Schneider Woods uh, issue here, and I'm just I'm gobsmacked right now, Mike. Uh, I think we've lost the plot. Here, you know, the the if it's if the only way for this to happen is to put up a parking lot, uh, we've lost the plot here, Mike. We had a counselor, Counselor Wilkinson, came on your show yesterday, and quite frankly, all he gave were excuses, and all the excuses that he gave were excuses that he has direct control of. He can control what the speed is on the road. He can make the the, the road more more accessible. These are all things that the township could do, but they're choosing not to do it. They're choosing to hold this family ransom for a donation. Quite frankly, Mike, you and I know doesn't happen all that often. Uh, and, and, and so to compare uh, a parking lot that may be at one uh, nature reserve over, over the other is irrelevant. And my understanding, Mike, is that the GRCA wouldn't approve a parking lot because the majority of the land that 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 is neighboring to the roads around this is all wetlands. So our solution is to what destroy wetlands in order to put a parking lot. But how do you? I, I just I don't how, get it, Mike. I, I, and quite frankly, the township is responsible. I understand for the frustration. They are the ones holding this up, but Mike, but then, frankly. if you were a counselor, though, Rory, would you put yourself, your neck out on the line for litigation? Possibly, if heaven forbid something awful happened, like that's the real hiccup here, as Mike, far as I can tell. Mike, I have people going down Mannheim Road at 80, 80, 80 kilometers an hour. Let me tell you this, Mike. Let's just stop all street parking in all of Wilmot Township out of fear that something might happen. Let, let, let's let get a grip here. And like I said, Mike, the problems that Mr. Wilkinson talks about are problems that they can solve themselves. And quite frankly, Mike, the people of Wilmot are telling council that they want this to happen and to make it happen. So if, 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 if Wilkinson and uh, Mayor Salonen, who seems to be absolutely, completely nowhere in this issue, silent, uh, may, may, maybe Mr. Wilkinson is 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 the new 
the new mayor of Wilmot, because I haven't heard a peep out of her on this issue. The people of Wilmot want to see this happen, Mike. So let's make it happen. Let's figure out what we need to do. But all I hear, Mike, is we can't do this. We can't do that. And the only solution, Mike, only, only, only solution is to put up a parking lot. And I just call absolute BS on that, Mike. All right, Rory, I appreciate the call. I I hear the frustration. I, I think it's just my perspective after listening to both sides of this. The frustration should be directed at the lawyers who might end up taking cases for people who litigate. But that's, I don't know. I don't know. It's a tough one. A quick update from the City News Center, and we continue on the Mike Farwell Show. It's the 12 o'clock talk back hour. This is City News 570. bit of a deeper cut from Rush, little headlong flight from Clockwork Angels by request from Russell on our all request edition of the Mike Farwell show. Every Friday is an all request Friday. You're in the midst of the 12 o'clock talk back hour and lots of people want to talk back. So let's go right back to the phones. Dale, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Love your show, Mike. Thanks very much. I appreciate that. I just wanted to go back and uh, talk a little bit about uh, the uh, auto theft. Sure. The $121 million investment. Yes, I can tell you right now it's needed, but it's only going to work if there's accountability, as always, with the government on how the money's spent. And it also will only work if private organizations and experts are involved. We need tougher laws on young offenders to curve this. We need container inspections on all containers going to known countries selling to stolen vehicles. This is an epidemic, and it is costing us all money. I don't disagree. Just wait till it starts costing us more in insurance, depending on where you we know, live or the vehicle we drive. I, I, well, I mean, even more and more, you know? I own a company that does installs of the original vehicle immobilizer, and I can tell you right now, we work with every major police force and most of the insurance companies. And what you're about to see is insurance companies dropping insurance on vehicles that are in the high theft category. Mark my words, you will see that within the next few months. They will refuse to insure those certain vehicles, Range Rovers, Rams, etc. Well, once that starts happening, Dale, dare I say, there will be more action on this because the public's not going to stand for it. I absolutely agree 100%. And it's the public and the taxpayers that are the ones that are getting hurt the worst. No question about it. No question whatsoever. We need, you know, people need to be prevented, have some prevention. Don't keep your keys in the Faraday bags. Use a club. Put your car in the garage. Don't back your vehicle in the driveway. Pull it in frontwards. These are all preventative maintenance or preventative measures that will help. They're not going to stop a, uh, an organized crime thief. There's only a few things that will stop it. But we need to curve this epidemic. And this epidemic is happening in the Kitchener, Cambridge, Guelph, Waterloo area. I live in this area. 
Dale, appreciate the call and the advice on that. You're right. I hate to put the onus on the vehicle owners, but there are things we can do to try to mitigate. Kyle, good afternoon. It's the 12 o'clock talkback. Good afternoon. Don't hate me because of the song this morning. <laughs> it just gives me the heebie-jeebies. It really does. <laughs> Anyways, um, I would like to actually, you know what? That guy got me going on this whole manufacturer thing. When are, when are manufacturers going to step up and actually take ownership on what their problem is? I mean, this doesn't even go back to the whole stolen vehicles thing. This is bright lights, not, you know, blinding people. There's lights on the dashboard, you know, not all this stuff, right? And then we, and then it comes back to, well, it's the owner's fault. It's the owner's fault. I didn't design the vehicle. I'm not the one that sits on AutoCAD and, and designs all this stuff. I'm not the one that made a faulty security system in my vehicle. I can't even buy a manual transmission vehicle anymore. Like, I have one, and that's my security, because nobody knows how to drive manual transmission anymore. So I have a, a six-speed manual transmission. Good luck trying to get that thing out of the driveway. But, I mean, it, it's starting to get... I'm, start, I'm really starting to get annoyed that there is no onus on the manufacturer for anything. Anything whatsoever. You hear Toyota with the airbags going off, right? Oh, stop driving your vehicle. What's going to happen to Toyota? Probably nothing. I mean, were they going to get a big fine that, you know, a billion-dollar company, what, a $100 million fine? That's what equates to twenty thirty dollars like it's starting to i'm really starting to get annoyed of it mike and i don't know where i don't even know where to start so i don't know what you think of it but that's all i gotta say all right kyle appreciate the call i understand the frustration i do think we have to place some onus of responsibility on the manufacturers here because this is i I like dale's word a moment ago it's an epidemic and so we're all gonna have to band together here and figure out what we're going to do about it. This is the 12 o'clock talk back hour on the Mike Farwell Show, City News 570. Was it possibly the best self-titled album ever? Boston, little more than a feeling for, ironically enough, Marianne, because the lyrics sing, I saw my Marianne, or I see my Marianne, walking away. It's an all-request Friday here on the Mike Farwell Show, the 12 o'clock talk back hour, right back to the phones. Paul, good afternoon. I called that opening uh, song today pretty good. <laughs> yes, you did, sir. Yeah, so I was right there, and uh, hey, I noticed the other day you uh, you said something about maybe we are heading for a spring election. I just like to tease you. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think I'm pulling... To, here, hey, did you know I do impersonations? Oh, goodness. Uh, nothing um, surprises me about um, you. Um, 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 who am I? Um, um, I don't know. Who are you? I'm Justin. I'm Justin. Um, um. I listen to him on the news. Oh, it makes me cringe. Well, I think it makes you cringe more f- for more reasons than just the yeah, ums. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Listen, you know, like, last election, Cambridge should have gone blue. And it didn't. 
Okay, so uh, here we have uh, everybody starting to think that maybe an election is coming up quick. The uh, we're being forced into a rapid nomination meeting. I, I went online. I looked at uh, you know the different parties that are running. Let's say I, I was looking at the one had a bunch of pictures of uh, with a, a variety of different uh, politicians. If that's all it takes to run, I got a lot more than that. The, uh, my, my qualifications are better uh, to run for the Cambridge nomination for the Conservative Party than uh, at least one of the candidates. Then why don't you run? Why aren't you running? You know why I'm not running. No, I don't know why you're not running. Well, we discussed that the other day. Oh, the, uh, okay. Uh, you have concerns beyond politics. I get it. Yeah. Okay. The, um, anyways, the... Uh, the, the way things are going now, the last election, we should have won, and we didn't. This election, if we don't get the right candidate, there's no way that the Liberals are getting in again. The I don't know. Brian I May's pretty see, solid down there. He seems to have a pretty good hold on the riding. Only by keeping his head down. And, well, uh, it's working. Out of the line of fire. It's working. But, but he, what I'm worried about is if we don't get a good candidate here in Cambridge and this whole rushed nomination thing, if we don't get a good candidate, we're going to end up with an NDP representative here in Cambridge. I can't see that happening, but I it's up to the Riding Association to sort it out then, I guess. David, good afternoon. It's the 12 o'clock talkback. Good afternoon, Mike. Uh, I have uh, two thumbs up and then a separate well, if I had a third thumb, I'd give it to Paul. Because I live in Cambridge. But anyways, uh, two thumbs up with two uh, separate explanations. My first thumbs up is to your new format and the people who, who uh, uh, organized your new format. And it, it really is solid. It's really, really great. And the second thumbs up, it, Mike, is for you who grudgingly who is very stubborn, grudgingly turned around, maybe didn't have any choice, but followed it. And I'm, I'm just really, really happy for the new format. David, I'm happy to hear it. Did somebody tell you to call and say that, I wonder? But hey, I am nothing if not a company man. Joseph, good afternoon. Hey. Uh, hey. Just, just got back from the best butcher on the planet, <laughs> out in the boonies. I know. They know how to do it, man. They know how to do it. Uh, first off, did you get the picture I sent you? Yes, I did. I responded to it. Oh, shit. I haven't even looked at my... I never well, then don't... Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Yeah, well, yeah. I just don't. It's, it's not... It's a BlackBerry. It's not email-friendly. Anyway, don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, so I heard you mention your brother, Tom. That's right. I shouldn't I have mentioned him by name. Him. That was not good. Well, whatever. Yeah. I went to school with Tom. I wasn't sure if it was the same Farwell. Uh, oh, we're all the same Farwells, Joe. Make no mistake. We're all the same Farwells. So, anyway, uh, my last point is the whole Swifty thing. The, the, I could give a flying crap either way. I don't like Taylor Swift or music. I don't like the whole Swifty movement, and I, I can't stand the Chiefs. So that has absolutely nothing to do with politics. I, just, I could give a flying crap. But they're terrified of her because she's promoting Biden. Well, of course they're uh, uh, Trump. The Trumpers are going to be all terrified of Taylor Swift. I mean, she pulls a lot of weight. She has a lot of fans, right? So, 
um, I, I get it. All right, Joe. I Listen, and I kind of love it. That little old Taylor Swift can instill so much fear in the other side. Uh, quick break. Back with more of the 12 o'clock talk back hour on the Mike Farwell Show. This is City News 570. star little bit of northern pikes by request from mike it's an all request friday here on the program some canadian content right there i used to think i was being very clever when i was a young radio broadcaster dominating the airwaves in salmon arm british columbia and i would play the northern pikes and i would say that's she ain't pretty by the northern pikes as opposed to the southern bass I didn't say it was actually clever. I just thought I was being clever. Our 12 o'clock talkback hour continues to the phones we go. Ranger Joe, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Mikey. How are you? I'm great, my friend. How are you? I'm great, too, buddy. Thanks for asking. Hey, listen, you know what? All these people that phone in and they complain about the liberals and the progressive conservatives, the NDP. You know, I got off that train a long time ago. I vote for my local candidate that I think is going to do the best job for me as a, as a taxpayer, you know. Uh, that's why when things go kind of left or right, um, and they disappoint us anyway, and I accept that fact. I accepted it a long time ago. And uh, health-wise, I'll be better for it. So that's why I don't have high expectations for whoever gets in at any given election. So I'm never disappointed, Mike, because I have no expectations. That's it, buddy. <laughs> All right, Joe. Thanks for the call. I think you should come into this show the same way every day. I set the bar right at mediocrity. Aim for it every day. Mark, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Ranger Mike. <laughs> hey, Mark. How are you, buddy? I'm all right. Good. Mike, uh, a story a couple of weeks ago was about the uh, peanut theft. Yeah, that was, got, uh, it was pistachios. Any, yeah, exactly. Like... Uh, many thousands of pounds of them cops are still trying to crack the case uh, that's what i've been asking mike you got any follow-up on that <laughs> no they is, they, there, is there free pistachios at the auditorium well, tonight you, or something if there are i think you'll know where they're coming from <laughs> <laughs> so no follow-up eh mike no sir i don't know what happened to the nuts <clears throat> okay okay you nut <laughs> all right mark thanks for the call i'm gonna i'm gonna run the risk here jason i got like 30 hard seconds yeah, don't get salty with the pistachio. Hey, oh! Okay, I just want to. Uh, I just want to. You know, um, I took my daughter to the uh, Titans game last night. A few of us uh, from council were there, and if anybody hasn't been to a Titans game, you really need to go. It's good basketball. It's good entertainment. You know, David Schooley does a heck of a job trying to get some of these players involved in our community, and uh, you know, it's actually a relatively. Uh, inter- uh, um, and uncostly uh, tickets. So if you don't get, if you haven't got a chance, go check out the Titans. I think they play this weekend uh, against Newfoundland. Jason, appreciate the call. It is Sunday versus Newfoundland, and Jason's right. I think you get great bang for your buck 
at a Titans game. We've got Rangers tonight, 7 o'clock puck drop, pregame 635 with me and Paul Fixter right here on City News 570. Devin Robertson is our guy on the other side of the glass. Works so hard on Fridays with all of your requests, and we love them. Keep them coming in. We'll play them again next Friday on another all-request Friday edition of the Mike Farwell Show. Bye for now.